Hey guys, I want to thank you for tuning into the Red Dolphin Podcast, where we talk about the passions, purposes, and perspectives of others to help you navigate your young adult life. I do want to give a disclaimer before we get into this episode. We are sitting down with Matt Bundy, and he is a comedian. Matt's done stand-up in LA, as well as Austin, and he also does sketch comedy as well. With that, you need to understand that there will be some language that will be said in this show, and there also might be some jokes that you don't necessarily align with. Personally, everything that is said in this episode does not necessarily reflect the views of myself. But with all that aside, I'm super thankful for Matt taking the time to sit down with us and have a discussion about his career in comedy and what he sees in the future, as well as some other controversial topics that take place within the comedy community. I'm going to be joined today by our co-host, Mr. Hunter Hurd, former Division One Liberty Flames soccer player. Uh, this episode does have some good takeaways, so I want to reiterate again that anything said in this episode does not necessarily reflect my views. Uh, but I did want to give Matt the opportunity, and honestly, Matt's a great guy, stand-up guy, and I'm very excited to get into this conversation and share it with you guys. We have these conversations, even though I might not see eye-to-eye with Matt on everything, because it does allow me to hear a new perspective, as well as you guys as the audience. Before we get into the show, I do want to ask that you please follow and give us a rating here on the show. It helps us grow, and it helps us get more guests on as we progress through this podcast journey. I do want to say, you do seem like the kind of guy who has uh, good handwriting. Is that a ridiculous assumption? I have really bad handwriting. Really? I, I have dysgraphia. It's like dyslexia, but for writing. I feel like you just made that up right now. Does, my teacher must have made it up then, because that's what they told me. That is a not kid. a real thing. Dysgraphia? Dysgraphia. So what? what is that? Like, while you're writing, you mix up? It's like, you know how, so I also have dyslexia. And right, so, so do we all. Everybody's got a little bit of dyslexia. Yeah, everyone's got like a tinge. But um, <laughs> so you know how with dyslexia, if you read a word, like the letters are yeah. in the wrong order. When I was a kid, I would write words and it would be like, it's probably just a form of dyslexia. And my teacher wanted to feel smart. She's like, oh, no, it's dysgraphia because he's graphing it. Yeah, because that's um, what I've always said is dyslexia whenever, like, I'll be writing and, like, I've completely mixed, like, three different letters. Yeah. I've I've never heard of dysgraphia. I think it was just like But I think we should make that a thing. I think it was just a fancy way of the teachers telling me I had special needs. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, so, yeah, that's why you go in special classes. Um, I do want to say that I I think in order to sell that, that condition, you have to tell people that you have dyslexia. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it sounds a little better and like it's kind of the nature of the word itself. You know what I'm saying? But like, uh, what'd you call it? Dysgraphia? That, dude, you guys are acting like I made this up. This is what no, the no, teachers no, no. told me I had. D- dysgraphia sounds like, uh, like, a, like a DJ dude who's trying to like be unique in his branding and everything. He's like, bro, it's not disc jockeying, it's dysgraphia. Yeah. Or like you fuck up a map and you're like, <laughs> you see, it's dysgraphicked everywhere. Yeah. Um, Topographic. That, that wasn't as good of a... Yours is better. <laughs> I, I, we don't compare, chef don't judge, and we're not in the kitchen, so. You I know. like it. Yeah, man. But, dude, uh, we, we met at the Riser networking event. I mean, great guy. Uh, you work out of on it, I believe, when we talked, right? Yes, I do. Uh, what, what, what brought you to Austin in general and then comedy scene, obviously? I know it's probably a little – it sounds like you had a journey with uh, Cam, Cam's podcast on Opinionated. but Yeah, so what brought me to Austin in general – Ironically, with Onnit, um, do you know who Aubrey Marcus is? I do not. So he's the founder of Onnit. Okay. And so he has this mastermind called Fit for Service. Okay. And so I did that, and I was living in LA at the time, and I literally came to town for a weekend, and like three weeks later, my car was packed up, and I was driving to Austin. What's Fit for Service? It's it's not a cult. It's a, <laughs> I don't know. Whenever someone joins, like their family members, I was like, "Are you in a cult?" Because it's super woo woo. But um, no, it's basically just like, it's a mastermind, which I don't know fully how to explain. They do like retreats and like coaching and stuff like that. Okay, cool. And so, how'd you meet? Well, what was his name again? Gentleman's name? I met Aubrey because I signed up for that. Okay, so he runs cool. it. And where were you at the time when you were doing this? I was in LA. Okay. Oh, LA life. Yeah. Yeah, you, you probably got a couple stories from uh, some people out there, eh? Oh, you know. <laughs> Is that where you got your uh, leg up in comedy? Yeah, that's where I started originally. All right. What was uh, what was the scene like out there compared to out here? Um, a lot less, a lot less friendly. I noticed. I mean, I wasn't really. So I only did comedy in LA for maybe a little less than a year before I moved to Austin. And with COVID, I was really only doing it for like five or six months because. I started comedy in October or November of 2019 and March, 2020, everything shut down. Yeah. So 
I started in LA, but I really learned how to like, I would say I like became funny in Austin. Why is that? I, you know, the first year, two years you're doing comedy, like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Even though you sometimes you, I felt like I did. And then coming to Austin is where I really like was able to actually, you know, I've been doing it for four years now. So I was really able to like put in the actual time here. Dude, have you, um, have you tried to go and kill Tony yet? Only like 15 times. What, are you going to keep trying? Oh, yeah. Dude, Monday's, I watch that thing every Monday night. Monday's my birthday, and so I'm oh. hoping that, you know, Universe throws me a little birthday present. Well, if you get on there, I'll be watching it. That's a, <laughs> that, all my boys will get together every Monday night and watch it. That'd be sick. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Where do you normally, like, where's the place you've done the most shows at? Um, Creek in the Cave a little bit, and then, honestly, like, a lot of just, like, bars around town. Okay, what's, like, your, your best time frame? Like, do you have a set number? Like, because some people are better at five-minute sets, 15-minute sets. Oh man, I've never really like thought about that. Well, there's like a joke with people who are like newer in comedy where it's like if you say you have 45 minutes, like you have 20. So I would say some of the best sets I've ever done were like 20 minute sets. Um, I don't have a full, I could probably make it work for an hour. The longest I've done is like 45 minutes. But even that was like, I was stretching a little bit That's on that. tricky, dude. You got to like, the timing is everything. You got to slow down all your jokes, I feel like. Yeah, well, I was supposed to be up there for 25, and the host basically got distracted and like never let me. And so I'm just up there, and I'm like, yo, this feels like it's more than 25 minutes. And then finally he lights me, I get off stage, and it had been like 42 minutes or something like that. Really? <laughs> it's like, shit. So I just, at the end, I just started telling stories. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> crazy to not plan for that and almost go twice as long as your plan's set. Yeah, but luckily I've, I mean, I would say I have like a solid half an hour and then probably a half an hour of like shit that I'm like trying to make work right now or like stories. Yeah. Is there ever like beef with the comedians behind the scenes who like go over on time or something like that? Or maybe they uh, scare off the crowd? Has there ever been something like that? I mean, I've definitely seen a few people clear a room. Really? Um, not like clear. Well, <laughs> at open mics, you'll see people clear a room all the time. But yeah open mic audiences are usually just other comedians. Um, I've definitely, the scene in Austin is all the comedians are super friendly with each other. Like I've never had really any bad interactions with a comic here in LA. I've had a few like incidents of like, I don't want to put intent, but like jokes that I could have sworn I wrote being told by other comedians who have heard my set before. Really? <laughs> I don't want to put intent on people, but like I did have a girl. I'm, I did an open mic once before an actual show, and this girl who was on the open mic was on the show with me, and she didn't know I was on the show. And then right before my set, I heard her on stage telling one of the jokes I told at the open mic. Really? I don't want to put intent on her. That's fair. But, like, she wasn't telling that joke at the open mic. Yeah, if it, if it walks like a duck. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had any moments where you're up there and you let your intrusive thoughts get the best of you and you pull somebody out of the crowd and joke on them a little bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, I only really... I'm pretty good at telling or being able to tell if people, like, want to be, you know, talked to and stuff. So I really only do crowd work with people who, like, seem like they want it. Because it's hard. You can bomb that. If you pick the wrong person, it can go terrible. Yeah. Well, I... Okay, recently I had a lady... I've been heckled before, but not like this. She straight up was, like, screaming at me, being like, move on! It's not funny. Move on. And I kind of started playing with her a little bit. <laughs> like, she was telling me not to, like, make jokes about sex. Oh, and really? so I started, like, getting, like, real graphic about well, that's sex. that's all you, you got to joke about after that. Exactly. But then she started getting, like, really mad. And then I got mad. And then it turned into, like, a bit of a screaming match. And it wasn't really funny for anybody anymore. Really? But um, I try and, try and avoid that. We had a situation kind of like that. We went to a show not too long ago. And there was just a group of guys that were just... You know, the classic group of, like, fratty bo boys, and they were just heckling everybody. And it was at the point where the whole audience was chanting, kick them out type of deal. And yeah, they ended up staying through the whole thing, but it was awful. I, um, I did a show once a few years ago, and this dude was heckling super bad. He was blacked the fuck out. And he wasn't even heckling, like, in a funny... No heckling is really funny, but he was, like, just literally just being stupid, like... He was yelling shit out, but he was slurring his words. He couldn't even understand what he was saying. And the host gets off. First comic comes up, and he just goes, 
all right, first things first, I'm not going to start my set until this guy gets the fuck out of here. Really? And then the whole audience started just being like, get the fuck out. Like, no way. Yeah, but this guy was bad. Like, he did not belong. I feel like that's what would have He belonged happened. in a jail cell that night. Like, the dude could barely yeah. even walk. Oh, really? Yeah. That's probably what would have happened if our audience wasn't so small. The problem is the group that was heckling so much in the show we were at was like, they were the audience. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was like 30% of the crowd right there. So they didn't want to, because it was like a group of like eight guys that just thought yeah. they owned the place. And you could tell it was like their weekend in Austin, you know? Yeah. It's like, almost weird. Like, I'm the first guy here to ever come for a bachelor party, bro. Yeah. You wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's almost, it almost has Nashville vibes, uh, kind of Austin lately, at least six. That I've, Yeah, you yeah. can't go anywhere without running into a bachelorette party. Here. Oh, yeah. One of those little, those like bike boat. Yeah. yeah, car things. If you, you go know, anywhere on Sixth Street, you're guaranteed <laughs> to run in at least three bachelorette parties. Oh yeah, satchels and pink. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. Every it's single like, time they get all dressed up just to have a few girls not make it through the night, <laughs> have a rough time. When you moved to uh, uh, Austin from LA, were you telling people that you moved to Austin, or did you tell them you were moving to Texas? I don't really remember. Um, probably a little of both. Yeah, what was the main factor to get out of L.A. and into the uh, Austin scene? Oh, man. I mean, I was in L.A. in 2020 is when I moved, and I just watched the whole city just deteriorate. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to live somewhere where your quality of life overnight can just get, like, ripped from you by the government, basically. Fair. Um, yeah, and I, I loved L.A., I'm very fortunate that I have really good friends there. That's not the case for a lot of people. But um, it was just time for me to move on. And once I started doing comedy, I realized I already kind of wanted to be out of L.A. And then once I started doing comedy, I was like, I don't have to be in L.A. to do this anymore. Yeah. Have you always been funny and quick-witted? I mean, there's got to be something uh, that spiked the, spiked the spark in you to get into this scene. Yeah. So, I mean, I was always, like, cracking jokes and stuff in class. I started, the reason I moved to LA was for acting. Okay. And I love acting. I still want to do more of that in the future. But once I started doing comedy, I was like, okay, this is what like I thought, this is what like I thought acting was going to bring me like internally. And the first time I got on stage, I was like, this is what God like put me here to do. Yeah. Yeah. What were like, what, who, who pushed you to do an open mic then? Um, a couple of my friends, I was in a sketch comedy group. Okay. And we would do, like, live sketch shows. And a lot of the people in that group were like, yo, like, you should try comedy. A lot of my friends in my acting classes were, like, really highly encouraging it. So you were taking acting classes, so it sounds like there may have been, like, a little bit of structure to, like, you know, going out and chasing. Yeah, definitely. I was in classes. I mean, my school had – it was two classes a week, but I was taking, like, five a week. Because you okay. could go to any extra classes you wanted, and just most people didn't, you know, take up – take them up on that opportunity really was there anybody in those classes where you're like oh my gosh this guy or girl has it like they're gonna make it oh yeah and where do those people end up going like do you know if anybody made it like far or like you know one of my best friends is one of the leads on a soap opera now oh that's dope which yeah one? her name's katie mcmullen no, which which show which show? oh general hospital yeah i haven't heard of it I, yeah. yeah i've heard of it i'm not super I'm not versed soap in the soap opera, opera world so. but she's like i remember the first time i met her i was like this is the next meryl streep like yeah she's phenomenal Where's the, where's the journey, like, how, how far-sighted does the journey get? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you, like, sounds like acting's not off the table by any means and, like, being in comedy. Like, you know, everybody wants to get to that big stage. How, like, how, like, how far out do you put your stage of, like, okay, this is going to be the point, or do you think you'll keep doing it forever? What do you mean by that? Like, how, like do you, do you like, mean, like, stop comedy? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never going to stop doing stand-up. Yeah, you love it. I love it. I definitely want to, in the future, like big goal of mine is to be making movies with my friends. That's a big reason why I do like the sketches every week. And like, I'm moving into more like multi-person content as opposed to like the one person just kind of like rapid fire. Like a lot of my sketches are. Yeah. They are rapid fire. They're, yeah. They're pretty good. I'm doing more. So lately I've been doing more sketches with like other people and I'm trying to get, I'm definitely like, I always want to be doing comedy, but I also want to like make movies with my friends. Like kind of like how Seth Rogen does it where he writes and produces and acts in his own movies. Is it hard getting people on board to, like, want to do something like that? I feel like as a kid, like, because I remember when I was in college, like, it was just a bunch of, like, recording. And I'd always ask people, like, yo, I, I want to do this, like, skit real quick. Like, can I get you to do it? And you end up getting people, like, not knowing how to record and stuff like that. And <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, I haven't really had any trouble getting people to want to be in them with me, especially because I usually just ask other comics who oh, also kind of have an interest in acting. Right. Uh, every once in a while, I'll put like, I have a couple of friends who have been in a couple of my sketches who don't do anything in the acting world. They're just like, oh yeah, that's fun. And one of my friends is, he's like a, he's a fitness guy. He does a lot of like fitness videos and stuff like that. He's been in like three or four of my videos though. And I'm like, dude, you are a fucking phenomenal actor. Like, <laughs> but he's just, he just thinks it's fun. Does he just enjoy doing it? Or? Yeah, it's just like it's just like if he was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna do this video. You want to be in it?" I'm like, "Sure." It's like, oh hell yeah, you know, just boys making videos together. That's a real boy right there. Oh yeah, that's your dude. Oh yeah, I need to get you in a sketch video sometime. I'm I'm not the best actor. I'm, I'm, I'm not great in front of the camera. This is a big deal for me. But um, what's your uh, what's your love life like? Has has comedy helped that or made it harder or? Yeah, it's helpful. If, if you want to, if you want to dig well, into this, if anybody gets into comedy to get pussy, they are in the wrong profession. <laughs> I like, didn't say you were doing that. Or, I was no. just saying, has it no, helped but, or harmed it? Because <laughs> like, like some an, people, learn an instrument. <laughs> some people, it harms it. They get up there, and every girl's like, "Yeah, I ain't, I ain't going anywhere near that." Yeah, I, I don't really know if it's necessarily helped or harmed it. Like, I've never, I've never had a girl I was dating like come to a show and like not be attracted to me anymore. Luckily. Um, so then what's your love life like? Are you dating right now? Where are you at? Very casually. It's very, um, I'm very much at the point right now where I don't think I want to have kids until I'm like 40. Dang. Maybe, maybe sooner, but like for the most part, I don't see it happening. I turned 27 in a few days and I don't see it happening for like at least another decade. And there's not really any girls my age who, I mean, there are some, but like for the most part, if I was dating a girl my age right now seriously i would be wasting her time because mm. i'm i don't see that like shorter timeline of like marriage and kids and stuff like that so i'm kind of just like really just laser focused on my goals and you know if i meet some cool girls along the way that's great where, where are you meeting these cool girls cool girls along the way like what's your what's your are you are you looking for women or are they just coming to you because you're a good looking guy i'm sure it's not that hard for you i mean i'm not really actively seeking anything out right now yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's like a, a wrong assessment to say you got some riz in you. I mean, quick off the feet with the comedy. <laughs> like, you ever That's kind of what I was getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. You ever like go up to somebody and be like, hey, and like, maybe I don't know, shoot a little LOLs, like all Mr. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'm out and I see someone, you know, that I find interesting, I'll definitely say hi. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, are you snoozing them with like some comedy, like a little dry joke or something, get them going? I'll throw what? some jokes in. Yeah. What's the hit rate? What do you mean the hit rate? Like, I mean, like, you know, you approach four girls, how many are saying, and then giving you the conversation, and... Oh, I don't, I don't... You don't have you ever stats. seen, um... <laughs> have you ever seen, um... The Caddyshack? I like, pulls out a <laughs> yeah, note yeah. I'm like Chevy Chase, I don't keep score. I just, I just play for... I just be the ball, you know? Smart man, yeah, yeah. There you go, Danny. Uh, what was the... Uh, we just put them in a spreadsheet. Uh, gosh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Oh, well, stuff like this happens all the time, and I just get like, oh, shoot, man. It's the football that gets to you. Oh, you played football? Yeah. I oh, played I guess I could at, guess that. All of it. Yeah, small little Christian school, so. What position? I played H-back, so we did some uh, route running, and we also did uh, primarily blocking, but. Okay, what is H-back? I've never Halfback, right? Halfback. Uh, it's like more of a receiver type position like wing slot okay, because i never played any football so i don't know the position yeah it's uh but we we primarily hit people I, I didn't really like get any varsity reps so i called myself a jv all-american it's in my twitter bio Dude, that's what i said i always said i was a, a bench bench warmer cheerleader yeah i was yeah. just a d1 cheerleader the best in the world you know yeah oh yeah where'd you get a, where, where'd you grow up in uh just outside of seattle renton washington rent what is it renton is it really as rainy as they say it is there probably more so really did you have like family military background or anything? I think okay, maybe I'll get in my podcast. No, I mean, both my grandpas served. Oh yeah, but my dad didn't. What'd your dad do growing up? He started off as a printer salesman. Yeah, like business to business, and then just basically worked his way up the ladder. He now works for Morningstar. It's an index in Chicago. Okay. Did he ever have that like uh, comedy kind of visualization type to him or? My dad is super fucking charming. Okay. He, every person who meets him, like, falls in love with him. He is, um, he's an incredible salesman, which is how he got to where he's at. My mom is also hilarious, but my mom doesn't try and be funny at all. She just, 
she just roasts people basically like she'll just say <laughs> shit Those are the best kind dude she won't even be trying and she will just say shit that is just cutting to the bone and she's like what (laughs) i maybe get it from her a little bit my grandma's also hilarious there's some funny people in my family yeah did uh so were you thrown in the ringer as a kid any with uh your family did you guys get into did you have any siblings i had an older have an older sister okay so do you guys like he said you almost said had she's she's still here i was like "Mm -hmm, i'm sorry about that man uh next topic um did you guys ever have like uh kind of the sibling rivalry like go after roast each other type thing a little bit, me and my sister, since we were like, I would say since probably I was in middle school or like around the time she got into high school, we started getting along super well. Before that, it was like, we still got along, but like she would definitely like fuck with me more. <laughs> and, but through high school and stuff, like me and her, just, we got along. We've, we've definitely had some blowouts, but yeah, for the most part, we've gotten along pretty well. That's fair. That's awesome. She, one time, she used to fuck with me bad when I was a kid though. Like one time I was like four maybe five or six, and she she told me if I, I don't remember if it was lick or kiss, a slug, you get superpowers. Oh, and so wow. her and her friend were telling me that, so I did it, and right after I did it, she goes, oh my God. I'm like, what? And she goes, you're gonna die. No. And I go, you believe that too. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna die? And she goes, yeah, like I didn't think you were actually gonna do it. Oh my God, you're gonna die. So I like run up to my mom crying. I'm like, mom, like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> And my mom's just like, why? And I'm like, well, because, like, I kissed a slug or licked a slug. And she's just like, oh, Matt, like, you and your sister are fucking idiots, honey. Like, you're not going to die. Yeah. Like. <laughs> this guy grew up in a family. How many was it? Yeah, there's 10 of us. So I'm, I'm number four of 10. Oh, shit. So it, what was that like? It was crazy, dude. Like, Dude, what were dinner? I'm curious what, like, the dinner table's like. Like, they put food down. Is it just, like, free no, for, like, like, a lot of spaghetti. A lot of spaghetti oh, and a yeah, lot of taco nights. And I don't like spaghetti now. Really? Because I'm not a big... Yeah, he seems we had like it so much, guy. but no, it was it was sick because we were all like super close. So it's 18 years between the first and the last. So we're all pretty close in age. Most of them are like less than two years. The biggest gap is between me and my older brother. Same my, parents for both. Yep, same parents. No adoptions. No twins. So the biggest gap is between me and the brother right above me, because my dad actually had like a vasectomy, and then mm. um, my mom was like, "No, like let's have one more, one or two more." And my dad's like after her begging for a while was like fine we'll have one or two more word for word he goes but we're not gonna be one of those families with 10 kids so he always comes up to us be like careful what you said kids because um god has humor and we'll put it right in your face yeah but yeah no it's crazy we're all like super close and like best friends so it was always fun so many people always at our house it was a good time oh i bet my dad did the opposite with the vasectomy thing. My mom wanted a third kid, and my dad was like, oh, I'm getting a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> power play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is power play, quite literally. Oh, dude, what's the percentage of your mom's life she was spent pregnant then? It had to be considerable. 90 months. Nine months times 10. Yeah, so oh, 90 shoot. months. <laughs> I didn't get I that. don't know the actual percentage, but... Yeah, that's quite a few It's a years. lot of months. 90 months. And then on top of that... That's almost eight years then, pregnant. You know how many days and months... Probably years she's had a baby in her arms, which is crazy. Probably while pregnant too, like. Yeah, no, she was she was holding one in the belly and then holding one on the arm constantly. It's I bet crazy. you, I bet you that's an easy way to weasel out with uh, parents to see who their favorite kid was. Just ask the mom, like, who was your favorite to be pregnant with? You know, just kind of frame it that I way. I always say it's me because there's gotta be some correlation. I always say it was me because I was the most expensive since I had the vasectomy and the reverse vasectomy oh, to get me. So I always say I'm like the golden child because I cost the most. Your dad unsnipped for you. Unsnip, snip, snap, snip, yeah. snap. <laughs> uh, he repaired the barrier. Yeah. Called the Black Ops zombies. But no, it was a good time. I was the easiest baby to be pregnant with. Was that? I mean, there's only two. I, my mom just said my sisters took like forever, and she said I just popped out. I almost died when I was born. But how? My umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck three times, <laughs> so I came Dog. out purple. That explains why you're funny. <laughs> Looking. Dude, Sorry, me, me and finish. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> What? Biggie Smalls said the same thing. I see. I, who? Biggie Smalls? Who? Biggie Smalls. Notorious B.I.G. The one who... Wait. Did Biggie Smalls die? Yeah. He got shot, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. Yeah, but he also came out in Belco Cord. Well, yeah. Is this like oh, a- I thought you said he said the same thing. Like, said, that's why you're funny looking. Oh, no. Uh, Biggie Smalls like, died like a month guy? after I was born. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. how do you know this guy? He delivered the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a horoscope thing where it's like if your umbilical cord gets wrapped around, you're made for a career in entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> making it cool? Maybe. Um, so, 
like you said, like long-term goals with everything, how do you, how do you like stay focused in on like improving and like, you know, making new content? I mean, correct me if I want to give you the story. I know some of it again, because of opinionated, but just kind of talk about what it's like creating ideas and like how you do this and like just the plan to keep moving forward. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with me, I do a sketch every week on social media. I, the reason I started doing that was I was in a place with my stand-up career where I felt like I wanted to be getting booked more than I was. And, you know, I was just trying to move the needle forward. And my favorite, my two favorite comedians are Andrew Schultz and Burt Kreischer. They're both tied for number one for different reasons. But Schultz is kind of who I model my career off of. Like, he's like my Michael Jordan in my eyes. And he did a thing where he was in a similar place where he wanted to, you know, be having more opportunities than he was getting. So he did a clip of him doing stand-up every week for a year. Mm. And he kept going after that year. But I basically was like, well, I can't, I don't want to do a stand-up clip every week for a year because I just I burned through all my material six months in. And um, so I just basically was like, I can do a sketch every week. And so I did one. And I remember thinking, I'm like, if this gets a thousand views, I'm going to keep going. And it got like 20K. And I was like, oh, nice. all right. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Some of them and, are pretty creative. I'll give yeah, you that. That was like a year I was, and a half ago. I was like through a few of them, and some of them I'm like, yeah, that's pretty creative. Was I one of your more recent ones? It was like I think it was you, kind of like joking on Liver King, ish. That one I thought was pretty funny. The one where you're like, I just like having my genitals in the sun or something like that. Oh yeah, so that was actually one of the first ones I did, but I have it pinned to the top of my profile. Okay, right, it's right, one right, of my right. favorite ones. Um, that's the Primal Daddy one. That was yeah, my yeah, old yeah. my old handle was Primal Daddy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. But speaking of Liver King, dude, I had a fucking heyday when he went through that steroid allegation thing. Or I guess it wasn't allegations because it was true. It was like, yeah, yeah. hard cold fact. They had him in <laughs> yeah. 4K with medical documents. But so <laughs> I started, I had a show that I was headlining a few weeks after that. And I was in like promotion mode. So I start like getting into like the comments on his post saying I was liver king's illegitimate son and this is all just a big misunderstanding and that if you don't brush your teeth you test positive for steroids i dude, i was having so much fun just, and then you go to my profile it's like come to the show in a few days oh, like, yeah. <laughs> did anybody like comment back at you and be like dude what are you talking about probably i was just, just rapid i was going on all his posts rapid firing just being like like i remember posting in all caps shit talking is not one of the nine ancestral tenants oh, <laughs> do you ever get any internet hate for anything that you put out there little bit um the biggest one oh man frat jesus oh yeah it was yeah, i could imagine how you could use i could see that one how yeah yeah it was the second thing i ever posted and i'm so curious how far it would have flown if i wouldn't have gotten flagged but oh what'd you get flagged for like i think hate speech or something i don't know oh, really? basically what happened was all these christians were commenting saying i was going to hell i was getting dm saying that if i don't delete it i was like bound for damnation all this stuff I mean, I did say in a line that, like, God outsources his work to Satan. Like, you know, like it was, I see why Christians were upset, but, like, it got 20,000 views in, like, a couple hours. Yeah. And then all of a sudden just, like, flatlined. And so really? I didn't get any, like, notifications saying I was flagged or anything, but just all this, it was getting all this momentum and it just stopped. So yeah. I'm wondering if they just, like, popped it out of the algorithm or what. But it's making a comeback on YouTube lately. Oh yeah, I did see that in your uh, YouTube portfolio. It was like your most viewed video, right? Is that yeah, like which is funny that that happened over the past few months. So I posted that video in July of 21, I think. Yeah, like a year and a half ago, and it maybe got it got a bunch of views on Instagram and then got like pulled or whatever. I don't know if it got pulled, but it's all of a sudden stopped getting views. On YouTube, it maybe got a hundred views. And then over the past like month or two, it's gotten up to like almost 40K now. Really? Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I guess someone found it and sent it to their friends or something. But do you do TikTok at all or just Instagram and YouTube? Yeah, I do TikTok, but um, this, is, feel like this TikTok... is America, so I don't really give a fuck about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like TikTok's the easiest to get it out in the algorithm, though, and kind of get it to go a little bit more on the viral side than Instagram. I feel like Instagram's a little bit harder. I do a little better on Instagram than TikTok. Really? Yeah, I don't, I think it's because, I think the reshare feature is like my best friend. Mm. And you can't really, I guess you can repost stuff on TikTok, but like you can't reshare it the way that you can like, you see a video you like, you can post it on your story on Instagram yeah, yeah, and yeah. then send it to 20 of your friends in like two seconds. 
So I think that is why Instagram works a little better for me. Instagram's yeah. a little more gradual too. Like if you don't get that initial boost off Instagram, you can wait like 24 hours and you're still gonna see some, some decent results. Yeah. Do you keep up with like current stuff going on and you pull on material from that? Like do you, a little you bit. pretty topical jokes or do you kind of do your own thing? Um, a little of both. Okay. I kind of just go with what I feel like is funny that week. Um, often, like, yeah, how often do you change your set or change your jokes or come up with new stuff? Well, my stand-up act is kind of always evolving, but like with the sketches, I'm a little more topical with my sketches. I'm only really topical with stand-up if it's something that I think is going to be topical for a while. Yeah. Like I don't want to put all the time in like making a joke about something unless I'm just going to like make it, record it, and then post a clip of that. Just because I, if I'm going to go, like I have some jokes about Andrew Tate right now and like that's topical, but like he's also, even though he's not really in like the eye of the media, the way he used to be, if I say Andrew Tate, everyone's going to know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Back, I want to talk about the point of like uh, some of the videos and everything like as far as offensive. And I know this is like the comedy age old question of like how far is too far. And I want to phrase this correctly because one, like you can do whatever you want, like I like you do great stuff. You're out here chasing your dreams. Like no problem with that whatsoever. Like a video, like the Jesus one, like I personally would find that distasteful. No shame to you whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like I would not, I, I, you're on my show. We're here. We're having a conversation. Like I'm not condemning you for that at all. What is your view on like, you know, where you can take it or maybe something that's too far for you. You know what I'm saying? White people, white people don't make fun of white people. You know, they've, especially white men. Really? No. Dude. <laughs> I was, I was like, trying so God. hard to stay serious. Then. I started like cracking a smile. I'm like, no way, this guy's serious right That's now. That's gonna be a great clip. I thought you meant like. <laughs> I thought you meant like dudes would uh like beat you up. Like white dudes have threatened to beat you up yeah. or something like that. No, it's just like we're systematically disenfranchised yeah. and like you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't think anything's off limits. That's fair. I do, I'm not one of those people who are like, you know, it's offensive, like, there's this new thing with comedians who are like just trying to be as offensive as they can, and Anthony Jeselnik talked about this recently, and I think he worded it perfectly. Being a comedian isn't about like, ooh, I'm being offensive. It's about toting that line as far as you can take it and getting away with it. Okay. Like having the audience be like, ugh, I don't really agree with what this motherfucker is saying, but it is funny. Okay. So... I don't think anything's off limits, but I do think the um, the more sensitive of a topic, the better the joke has to be. Fair. I I agree with that sentiment, and I guess I guess the so as a comic, like you don't care if somebody finds something distasteful. It's like part of part of your the social fabrics of comedians to shed light on some things that may need comedy as a as a vessel in order to address or make light of, in a sense. Absolutely, and I'm a big proponent of. If you can't take a joke, you don't deserve to be taken seriously. That's fair. Where, where do you draw the line? Like, if somebody has boundaries as an audience member, do you, do you hold that against them to a degree? Or are you a little more understanding towards, like, some? I don't hold it against them. Um, you're allowed to have opinions. Certainly. And you're allowed to have, you know, morals and things that you feel strongly in. Yes. So I'm not going to stop telling a joke because it hurts some people's feelings. Fair. But I'm also not out to be, like... I don't want to have someone have a bad time. Like right. some of my, um, I would say some of my more triggering jokes are like, I've got this thing I'm doing right now about pronouns. And you know, sometimes I'll be telling that joke and people in the audience are like huffing and puffing and they're like not mm. happy about it. Sometimes they'll be huffing and puffing and then I'll get to the punchline and all of a sudden they're like, fuck. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. my favorite thing in the world. Oh, really? <laughs> when, when they, like I had a girl come up to me after one of my shows and she was like, I am so mad that I was like, that I found that funny. Like she, yeah. that's like the biggest compliment you can get. She's like, I did not yeah. want to laugh at those jokes, but I, I was. That's fair. Yeah. Because I think where, where was it taking this as, as somebody showing up to a comedy show, you have to know what's on the table. You have to know that these guys understand that everything's fair game. I feel like if you get mad at a comedy show, you shouldn't be at a comedy show. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But like, yeah, yeah, fair. 100%. Yeah, I'm not out to make anybody uncomfortable, but also, like, don't jump in the ocean if you can't fucking swim. That's you fair. You know, like, yeah. 
I mean, it's it's I, I there's some like some jokes that come up with comedy shows like I won't laugh at some I don't think are actually funny at all and that's why I'm not laughing. Some I'm just like eh, that's a little too dark for me. But like you know I'm here. What else do I expect? You know what I'm saying? Like what am I gonna be a male Karen sitting here and being like, <clears throat> you know, crossing <laughs> my arms type thing? It's just like some things don't hit. It's like <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's uh what's been the best show you've been to? Witness live. The best what? Show you've witnessed live. Well, I saw Andrew Schultz record Infamous, his newest special, twice. Um, that was amazing because I literally got to see, you know, one of my idols doing what he does best. And I got to watch him record his first hour special, which was like, he, I went back the next day because I just wanted to oh, yeah. see it again. And um, so that was huge. I saw Chappelle right before the closer probably a few months before it wasn't like fully, it wasn't the exact set that he did that night for a special, but it was like a lot of the jokes that he was working on for that special. So that was cool being able to see where they were in the live show and then how they evolved into the actual special. Um, the hardest I've ever seen somebody kill in my life though is Joey Diaz. You guys okay. know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. I think right. Nah, I don't know. He's, really. he's this big Italian looking guy, but he's really Cuban. He talks like this. He's like, what's up cocksucker. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Probably the funniest person on the planet, like not even necessarily the funniest comedian, just everything that comes out of his mouth is hilarious. And um, he's one of my favorite comedians ever. He's definitely in my top five, maybe top three. And he, I remember at the comedy store, he came out and he was angry. And that's when he's at his best. And he just lost his shit about The Bachelor. Like his wife was watching The Bachelor when he walked out of the house. And he was just so pissed off about that show. And dude, he was... For 20 minutes straight, he was red in the face, just ranting, like stream of consciousness. The room was vibrating. Like, I thought glasses were going to fall off of the table. I've never in my life seen anything like that. Like, the whole room was literally vibrating because he was killing so hard. So that's definitely the most impressed I've been. It was also the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. I, I thought I was going to pass out at times because I was, like, my abs are, like, fully clenched. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like... <laughs> Did I miss any opinions on you? Had I'm sorry, that last segment I was a little uh, no, I'm, I'm okay good, to be. I'm if you good. had like something to chime in on, I'd be like, no. Oh, but I am curious, what's your opinion on Matt Rife? Because I know some comics hate him because they feel like he's his jokes aren't that good. He's not that creative, but he's kind of making it because of the female audience. Um, you know, he's bringing a new audience to stand up, which is really cool. When I first saw him, it was before he blew up. I saw one of his TikToks and he was just starting to catch steam and I was like, fuck this motherfucker. And then I really like thought about it and I was like, all right, this guy's same height as me, same kind of look as me, same kind of style of joke telling as me. I'm like, I think I'm just, yeah. I think I'm just a little jealous. And then mm -hmm. I found out he'd been doing it for like 12 years and I was like, this guy deserves every fucking thing that's happening well, yeah, to him. He just found his little niche and rolled yeah. with it. His stand-up, his crowd work, I think he's one of the best people in the world at crowd work. I agree with that. Phenomenal at crowd work. Um, and his actual stand-up is pretty great also. I think part of the reason that people get upset with him is because they think his act is just crowd work, when really it's just crowd work, just what he's posting, which is, you know, you kind of paint yourself into a corner doing that a little bit, but also, I get it, he doesn't want to burn material. Um, yeah, I think he deserves everything that he's getting. I think he's he's put the work in. And I think that if people are threatened by him, especially other comedians, like there is plenty of people to go around. Mm. He's got, you know, he's got 50 million followers or whatever. There's 8 billion people in the world. No, I agree. And I also think he got way too much heat for his special. Oh, Because he had yeah. like two slightly controversial jokes that like people just erupted on. And, like, sure, they were edgy jokes, but I don't think they were – I thought his response to some of them were hysterical. Dude, the helmet thing was The helmet thing, that's iconic. what I was referencing. Oh, like, my God. Like, I saw him do that. I'm like, you just went up in my book. Like, unbelievable yeah. response because it's your job to just be funny. Like, he's out there to push the limits, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and, so like, these people just erupted over something kind of edgy, but, yeah, his response was perfect. For people who don't know, Matt Reif's special came out, and a lot of people were offended by some of the jokes in it, and so he – posted a public apology and he's like here's a link for anyone offended by my special and you click the link and it was a website that sells special needs helmets oh, gosh. that was amazing i think the joke that he's under fire for wasn't that great of a joke it wasn't if a i'm being joke. honest it wasn't a very well like it was kind of something you'd hear at like an open mic yeah i agree but 
you know, I don't, do I think it deserves all this backlash? No. And I do think that he's a super talented comedian. And, you know, Chappelle is mentoring him now. And Chappelle is such a fucking comedy purist that for him to want to do that, it means that Matt has something. Well, I think people don't understand is like a guy like uh, comedians in general, these people just, they don't care. Right. Like in the sense that like, if they get negative attention, like the only thing that you're doing is fueling their fire. So like, it kind of does full circle of like what you'd think like it would do, you know, like, yeah. Well, it's like Jake Paul. Like, yeah, <laughs> I fucking love Jake Paul. That dude yeah. is the man. Oh, which baby. And every t- let's go. <laughs> and every time he pisses off a large group of people, he gets bigger. And yeah. so it's like, you know, Shoot your shot, player. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, everybody's, like, playing a hand, but, hey, if you can look past, like, the social aspect of it and, like, dealing with people coming at you and coming at your throat, like, 24-7, then, like, I guess more power to you. You know what I'm saying? From a from a purely objective stance. I, I'm, I, I'm not commenting on the morality aspect of it. I, I don't really care to, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and even, like, Matt Reif, for example, like, he can get as much hate as he gets on the internet. I bet you he walks into any comedy club in the country and the same comedians talking shit about him are like, oh my God, Matt Reif. Yeah, like, I know. Every time I go to the mothership, I'm hoping he's up there because I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him because like we were saying, his crowd work's amazing. Yeah. And I, I just love seeing comics that interact with the crowd and draw them in. And like, it's a different type of skill to be able to think on your feet like that. It's incredible. Yeah. But him and Theo Vaughn, I'd also like to see him. Although Theo Dude. Vaughn's an acquired taste too. And I think... <laughs> the longer he stayed popular, the more like I'm not so much of a big fan because it's kind of all the same stuff, kind of. But it's kind of his thing, and it's funny. But yeah. I think it needs to be changed up a little bit, in my opinion. Dude, Theo, my first time I've seen Theo live a few times. My first time seeing him live, I hadn't started comedy yet. I didn't know who Theo was yet. I don't think he. This has got to be 2000, early 2017. So, like, nobody he, – he hadn't popped off nearly as much as he has now. I don't even think his Netflix special came out yet. But he was opening for Adam Devine, the workaholics guy. And they're like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, your first comic, Theo Vaughn. And everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, like, cool, another comic. And, like, three guys in the front row are, like, losing their shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, so this guy's something to pay attention to. He comes out on stage – and he tells the most outrageous story I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. And, and I'm like, is this a real fucking, it, it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And since then I've been a huge fan of him. Like he's just, he's got such a original like lens that he views the world through. And you, he's the kind of funny, it's almost like Jim Carrey. There's like a certain type of funny that you can't learn. It's just in you. And Theo has that. Yeah. And the way he tells his stories, you honestly are like, I don't know if this is real or not. Yeah, like, and it's, it, it keeps you guessing, and that's part of the entertaining part. He was talking about on Rogan's podcast once doing steroids on the side of the freeway, and Rogan's like, Why were you doing steroids on the side of the freeway? And he goes, They felt like an outdoor drug. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Yeah, man, maybe not like a gym locker room. <laughs> um, I do, I do want to hear your thoughts on comedians, um, with as far as like mental health and things like that. I think it's to no surprise. You know, comedians, quick, witty. These are the people, I don't think it's ridiculous to assume these are the people who are growing up class clown. You know, um, maybe, I'm not projecting any of this on you. I'm talking, I'm painting with a very broad brush. Maybe have some traumas and using comedy as an outlet through that. What are your thoughts on that? Just as a broad sense, you don't need to get into it personally if you don't want to, but I want to, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, most comedians, unfortunately, die in hotel rooms Mm. like that's more you never you don't really hear about a lot of comics dying of old age and so there's definitely like that mental health aspect to it you've got to be you've got to have a certain amount of like I don't know if it's trauma or what that makes you be like I need to get on stage and I need people to laugh at me like I remember I've definitely struggled with I've had anxiety my entire life you fooled me well appreciate that yeah it's something I've been working on since I was a kid, but um, I've had really bad substance abuse issues in the past. I've been to rehab before when I was in high school. Um, I was a really angry kid, and I noticed when I was really young that the only time I felt like I was like seen was when I was either getting really angry or making people laugh. Luckily, I lean more towards the uh, make people laugh thing in my adult life than the get really angry thing. 
but it's definitely it's definitely very predominant in comedy. What do you th- do? You think there's a there's a line where it kind of gets too far? Because and uh, it, it maybe maybe I'm just not like a comedy enjoyer. I'm not shitting on comedy at all. I'm just like kind of giving my point of view. But sometimes I, when I see a co- comedian go up there, it's just like my heart goes out for him, man. You know, because like there's some real some real life stuff they're talking about. And I don't want to like go too far into the surface. Is that's not about you? And again, I'm not pushing any of the stuff on you. I'm just talking. It's just like like part of my heart's like, dude. I just you know it just seems kind of sad. Like I almost feel wrong for laughing at something like that because like if you're making a joke about it, I know it's likely you're seriously struggling with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's, um, it's definitely a coping mechanism for trauma, but I think it's one of the healthiest ways that you can cope with trauma Mm. is by in order to laugh at a situation, you have to have understood that situation so fully that you're seeing that side of it. Right. So I think if you're at the point where you're able to laugh at something, it's actually a really healthy sign. Yeah, they're they're you, you they're emotionally aware. Mm-hmm. Like some of the smartest people ever, probably like you said, just because of like traumas of the past or whatnot. And and I think I think tell me if I'm wrong here. Part of the laughing part of the audience is is the audience has has have ex- observed a lot of the jokes and everything that may have been happening, but they never really pinpointed at it like in a certain way. Like ah, it's like that. You know, they put an analogy on it. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I never thought about it in that way. That's funny. Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's this notion that like, that you have to be, to be like an artist, you have to be like mentally unstable and all this stuff. And I don't think that's true. And I think a lot of people are really showing how untrue that is now. Like Andrew Schultz, for example, like that dude, you know, I'm sure he's got his shit, but like, you don't look at him and be like, that guy's a fucking mess the way you would have like Mitch Hedberg. But like, I do think that there's definitely some aspect of like mental health issues that does create amazing art. Of course. And uh, am I, am I overstepping those assumptions by any chance? I'm not trying to. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I would say out of all industries, comedy has one of the highest rates of like mental health problems. Okay. Fair. It's a very safe assumption. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) nobody's got any questions (laughs) yeah it is it's a good do you have any bits that's a good question like uh maybe like uh quirks or like i like i always go "Mm -hmm." like just oh oh i'll say like sometimes when i'm like in a conversation don't know what to say i'll throw out like a fuck yeah or hell yeah dude oh kill tony hell yeah (laughs) i went to church um i started going to church again recently yeah where do you go red rocks Oh, uh, that's where Mitch goes. Oh, cool. Right? Mitch Hetricks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him there yet. I've only been a few times. He also might go to the 9 o'clock. I go to the 11. Okay, fair. Oh, you're sleeping in. Oh, yeah. But um, my first time at Red Rocks, they had this guest pastor. And it was my first time at church in like 15 years. And I was like, this sermon is for me. And I came up to him after. I was like, dude, that was amazing. Blah, blah, blah. We started talking for a little bit. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well. I'm really glad you came. And I was like, hell yeah, man. And I was like, oh, that's like the last thing you say in here. <laughs> <laughs> I just like walked away like stupid. <laughs> you golfed. You're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, bye. <laughs> you give him the finger guns and kind of, kind of type thing. You got any shows coming up? Um, hopefully kill Tony on Monday. Dude, yeah, dude. Uh, do you, do you get nervous? I'm sorry. Did I, no, you're, you're good. Do you get nervous? Like, when you, when you put your name in the hat that you will get called, like what's the, what's the feelings on that? When I first started going, I would be so nervous that I could like feel my heartbeat in my throat. Yeah. And now it's getting to the point where I've gone so many times without getting called that I'm just kind of like, all right, let's just rip this bandaid off. Like I'm ready. Have you started to rehearse for some of the questions? Cause it typically has the same, like what's your love? Like what's your special skills? Like, dude, you're so boring. What do you actually bring to the table? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, my, what are your special skills you bring? Oh, you'll see on Kill Tony. Uh, oh, what? We can't prep right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's we'll have got to, something. He's got. We'll have to wait. Yeah, I got it. I got Please tell me you play the drums. I just want to see a, a Mexican drum off again. Those are my favorite. I have not played the drums since I was like twelve, but but I got a little. I got a little something ready for them. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be ready. Yeah. I'm gonna be watching. Dude, it's such an uphill battle with that guy. It you're co- you're going on his show. You know what I'm saying? Like, I but he's so good at it. Has anybody ever won one against Kill Tony? You know what I'm saying? 
I think so. Well, you know, a lot of people who do the show, they end up regulars. I would yeah. say that's winning. Okay. Or they um, wind up getting on like the secret show or like other shows at the mothership. <laughs> the secret show. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's definitely like really positive outcomes that can happen from it. It's so it's so bad when you see someone like kind of try and go at Tony and they just like don't have the chops. Like uh, I would never want to be in a roast battle with that man. Like he David Lucas does a great job of that. He's one of the regulars on the show. Yeah. And I don't think he's a regular anymore. I think Cam replaced him, but he would just come in. And for his whole Kill Tony segment, he would, like, do his minute, and then him and Tony would just go at each other for, like, ten minutes straight. It's so funny. Dude, like, my favorite is the closer. I always forget his name. Um, the, the ginger. Oh, William Montgomery? William Montgomery and how he just rips on Red Band. Because I think <laughs> the jokes he has with Red Band, like, he'll be talking about something random and just throwing, Red Band, your mom's so fat, or something like what? that. It's hysterical. How he rips on Red Band's my favorite. Because I think Red Band's kind of a dud. Dude, I saw him go up at Kill Tony once, and he gets on stage, and this girl goes, William, I love you. And he immediately just goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then his whole set was just him screaming at this girl. But he, he murdered like, the whole no, audience. The thought it was, she thought it was hilarious, too. He has such a unique style, like reading off the card, because most of the time that'd be frowned upon. But he's always holding his card, <laughs> reading off joke by joke. And it's such a bland delivery, but it's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's great. He's brilliant. Dude, I don't want to limit you to comedy uh, and, like, sketching, like, the, the artistic side. What, what else gets you going, man? I'm getting into golf lately. Oh, really? Oh, Cold now weather? we're talking. Oh, yeah. Like, now we are talking. What's your handicap, Tiger? I don't know. I'm not that good yet. Okay. Well, I'm just now getting to the point where I think I'm ready to start keeping score. Okay, okay, okay. Do you That's- play – that's a fun spot to be at. You play like around here or like top golfing it or I love top golf. I've yeah. played um Plum Creek once. That one's really fun in Kyle. And then I've done I just did Jimmy Clay. And then I've done another I've done a few other courses. I did um Lions once. Um and then one other, I don't remember. A lot of the golf I've done has been like on trips and stuff. I just got my first set of clubs a few months ago. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Jimmy Clay has pretty good memberships. Me and my boy are thinking about getting a membership there. It's pretty affordable. So oh, it's nice. like a sick place to start. And you can like, there's like three courses you can play at, so you can mix it up. Yeah, I did the, um, the one when you drive in that's like just past, you start like just past the driving range. Yeah, um, I think that's the Jimmy stuff. Clay one. And then there's no one mine on the right wasn't side. Jimmy Clay. Oh, you went the one on the right side, I think? Yeah, the right side. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I forget the name of that one. I haven't played that one. I've played the Jimmy Clay. It's a little Clay more one. open. Jimmy Clay is like a little more through the trees, yeah, I think. Yeah. And this one's a lot more like open. There's a lot of like water and stuff to hit over. Yeah, there's one sick place in like the middle of downtown. It's like a little par three course. Oh, Butler, Pitch and Putt. Yeah, that I one. Wanted, have you done that? Dude, I tried to go there once and they were like, yeah, it's a three hour wait. And I was by myself. I was just going to go and like hit for a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not waiting three yeah, hours. Yeah, no, to play by if myself. you show up, you just show up and you get in line and then you go off and do your own thing and kind of guess. But it's like yeah. BYOB, you just go there and mess around. Me and my boys have been trying to go again. We've been once. Yeah, I think the move is to get there, maybe have like a cooler of beers so that, you know, yeah. if you have to wait a little bit, you just hang with the boys like well, it's a small little place like right near zilker yeah it's like just east of zilker and like you can see the skyline it's kind of a sick place and it's just it's just a place for the boys i know i really want to go i hear they're trying to tear it down actually i'm not surprised i think they might be trying to turn it into like a fucking condo or something yeah that's you know? not like every other cool thing in austin that place turning probably it into makes no money it's like it's like ten dollars to play yeah well they tried to do it with peter pan and i think like the movie? No, the <laughs> mini, the mini golf. The mini golf place that's right by there, and I think that it got like, I think something happened where they're not doing it anymore. Like people were mad enough. I went to Peter Pan once. Oh my god, some of my boys were in town. They were actually in town for the one of the Kill Tony like theater shows. Um, I think it was the, it was over the summer, but they did it in like the Moody Theater or something. Okay. And they were like, "You want to go um, putt putt with us?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And so we get there. They have like a backpack filled with beer. And I just go, hey, have you guys ever heard of shotgun mulligans? And they were like, no, what's that? So, so there's this there's this YouTube channel and podcast called Country Club Adjacent. Yeah. It is the shit. There are four comics who also love golf. And they're all hilarious. So they do these videos. Like, they do, like, mushrooms versus acid. Yeah, they're, and, they're hysterical. Bro. Yeah, and, like, um, shotgun mulligans, which is where every time you want to take a mulligan, you have to shotgun a beer. They also do bong rip mulligans. But so yeah. we're playing <laughs> <laughs> fucking putt, putt place and I go have y'all ever heard of shotgun mulligans and they're like no what's that and I explain it to them and my friend Los goes oh we're doing that 
And I'm like, what? And he's like, we're doing that today. And so <laughs> we're at this like family putt-putt place, just shotgunning beers and stuff. And I remember there was this like family right behind us that we let play through. It was like two parents and like their seven-year-old. <laughs> And they're playing, they're playing through while we're shotgunning. And I like apologize to the dad. And he goes, don't apologize. That was us eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's go. like, why do you think we have this kid right now? <laughs> He's like, rock on, brother. He's like, you guys invite me next Dude, time? Like, I've always wanted to do either the nine for nine or if you really want to get messed up, do 18. It's where you bring, like, oh, your shooter dude. of choice, and before every hole, you have to no. take it. Oh, man. Dude, I don't know. That would be tricky. Or the other yeah. thing is, is for every beer you have, you get minus one on your score. So you could shoot an 80, but then have nine beers, so you shoot a 71. I like that. So, like, then it's, but the more you drink, typically the worse you get, unless you're one of the rare, beautiful breeds. Oh, I'm way worse the more I drink. Yeah, but, but it adds, at that point, you're just carefree. You're like, fine, that was a bad shot. I'll just shotgun another one and level out. Yeah. I really want to do shotgun mulligans. That sounds so fun. No, that's fun. And then there's also um, reverse mulligans, where every time you, get a, you take a mulligan, the other guy you're playing with gets a reverse mulligan. So then if you hit, like, an unreal shot, oh, then dude, they can be like, suck. I call in my reverse mulligan, and you have to retake it. So it's, it's kind of like, dude, without the drinking aspect, it's like, okay, I'll take a mulligan, but then I know my buddy's got a reverse in his back pocket. That's I get cool. Six good drives a game that would drive me fucking bonkers. Dude, it's the worst. <laughs> it's just so demoralizing. You're feeling on top of the world, and then your buddy's just sitting there smiling. He's like, "Do it again. <laughs> I dare you." <laughs> oh man, that sounds fun. Oh, I have a friend Spencer who he would abuse the fuck out of that. Yeah, he's really good at golf. He, he's one of my best friends in the world. He got me into golf, and he goes, "He's like, bro, just come play golf with us. You're gonna love it. I'm gonna teach you everything I know." We get out there, first drive. I just shank that shit and he's like and i'm like so any tips and he goes yeah hit it straight hit it next straight. time <laughs> all 18 holes the only tip he gave me the entire game is just hit it straight next time and i'm like you motherfucker so i just want to get good enough that i can beat him oh, yeah. what does yeah. he shoot i don't know he's pretty good but um it'll probably it'll, it'll take a while but i'm gonna do it one day dude we're talking about going tomorrow you, oh really you, you, you want to play tomorrow what time i don't know by the time this episode's released, oh. we already know if it happens or not. <laughs> I don't think I can play tomorrow. That's okay. I didn't want you there anyway, so Uh-oh. that works out better for me. Yeah, it was more of a formality, match. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> no, I'm always looking for boys to play. Do you play? Uh, yeah, you got invited before I did. I well, do. I was, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I didn't know you played. <laughs> How do I respond to that? Hell like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, one of the words that I use that I think is a great bit, it might not be, is just saying perhaps at any time, like, somebody makes a snarky comment on you because it's like you're not confirming it you're not denying it i hate when you do that it's just like neutral. oh that is so cunty <laughs> i know i hate it like one of your boys is like bro you you've been gaining some weight like when are you gonna cut down it's like perhaps like you know what are you gonna do with that oh god that good, would drive me fucking nuts it's like a filibuster you know Dude, i hate it when you do that yeah it's the perhaps. worst perhaps one word i like is yonder yeah. I don't like, you know, you like way up yonder. yonder. Where, where'd you hit that ball? Oh, it's against yonder. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm over yonder. I'm over yonder. Uh, one segment I really liked last podcast, we all we all gave a word where it was, like, very fitting for um, for its, like, sense. Like, me, my word was iguana. Like, yeah, that is an iguana. Do you have anything like that? Wait, what do you mean? Wait, like, there, I need way more context. Like, like you, look at, you look at an iguana, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, that that is an iguana. Oh, so like what word fits the item yeah, or it's thing just it's like, describing? Yeah, just, it, it fits it so well. Dude, I think apricot. See, I don't even know what that is. It's like, isn't it like a fruit? But you think of an apricot. I, I can't because I don't know what it okay, is. Okay, then uh, tangerine. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Tangerine fits. I still am not getting this bit. Like. Okay, so if I were to say the word for helmet, like then you look at the item and you're like, wow, helmet, the word helmet really fits the item. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what you Yeah, saying. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's one item that you're like is perfectly named? Oh. Like seahorse. I think that's beautifully named. Yeah, that is a pretty oh, good name. Because yeah. it looks like a, it looks like a horse in the sea. Butt plug. Ooh, <laughs> that's that's a good one. He he we were here and he took it to here. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> oh. Me either. I just heard. Uh, yeah, I heard a buddy say it. I've never seen one in. I've just seen them kind of dangling at stores. <laughs> Matt, how can we reach you? 
how can we like uh, find you, follow you? Go ahead, plug yourself. <laughs> I was like, how can you reach me? Uh, you know, just be honest. I can't. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my Instagram is Hollywood Texan sixty nine. I recently kind of threw that in there as a joke to see if it was available and Instagram changed it for me. And I'm like, you oh, know what? We're rolling with it. Fair. So I like it. I like it. Um, and then TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, just V Matt Bundy. Cool, man. Subscribe to my YouTube. I'm really, um, I'm working very hard lately to like optimize my, my videos for YouTube and then just kind of post trailers on Instagram. Mm. So kind of getting into like longer videos with more cast members, stuff like that. Certainly. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I appreciate the time today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, Co-host Hunter over here. Um, looking forward to coming to a show sometime. Yeah, definitely. We're sure going to have to add you on the palette. And then uh, everybody, make sure you give Matt a follow on all socials. And, dude, appreciate your time for sure coming all the way out here. Of course, appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, for sure. Red Dolphin Podcast, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you stay blessed and never stressed. Have a great one.